Good morning, everyone. And it's uh, my privilege this morning to launch a new series, which is going to take us through uh, the autumn, and uh, it's entitled The Holy Spirit and You. The teaching is going to be aimed to help each individual, each of us in the church, grow in our understanding, in our knowledge, and in our experience of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Hence the series title. Now we are a church uh, with a reputation of being familiar uh, with the things of the Holy Spirit, uh, but something uh, that we feel as a leadership team is, do you know something? We, we just felt God put on us to have a fresh emphasis on this. And one of the things that I'm just going to do is introduce the whole series, uh, but focus on one precious, precious aspect of our relationship with the Holy Spirit in the moment. But let me just tell you what's coming up in the coming weeks. We're going to be looking next week at being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Then the week after, uh, Martin's going to be teaching on living by the Spirit, particularly from Romans 8. Um, And two weeks after that, Moen will follow on the series with praying in the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to be looking at uh, David's going to be sharing with us about us corporately being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Luke on being empowered by the Holy Spirit, particularly for witness and mission. And then uh, Adrian, Adrian Horner is going to be with us uh, the next week on gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Debs, uh, to crown it all, uh, is going to be uh, teaching on worship in spirit and in truth. All of which is teaching from the New Testament. And one of the things that we're so, uh, so important for us is that we're meant to experience the living God, not just know about him. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can do just that. So as a foundation to all that's to follow, we're starting today with fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that sums up what our relationship with God should be. And it's a verse in the Bible that is probably spoken and read, often used as a blessing, more often than most. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Does this sound familiar? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now what is that saying? It's saying may every one of you, everyone who knows and loves Jesus, may you all experience the grace of Jesus Christ on an ongoing daily basis. Now two weeks ago, if you missed it, do download it. Martin spoke brilliantly on the grace of the Lord Jesus And then he goes on and says, and the love of God, God the Father. And it's God's intention that we all enjoy a daily 
experience of knowing the love of God. And then he speaks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is like a blessing. May the grace of Jesus be with you. May the love of the Father be with you. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that word fellowship with the Holy Spirit is the same word used as the word when we read of the early church in Acts 2, where it uses the word, it says that the early church, just after the day of Pentecost, um, they were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, same word, breaking of bread, and to prayer. The word fellowship is, in Greek, the word koinonia, which means, literally, it means participation in. Um, it means being involved with in a, in a loving way. Um, in the case of the early believers, with each other, with one purpose. They've got a common purpose, and they're fellowshipping in that purpose, and that purpose is to follow Jesus Christ, and they're knit together in that purpose. It's, it's to do with um, a... a, a, a Deep, intimate friendship, kindred spirit, friends joined in heart, in partnership together with the same purpose, loving one another. That's what we read about of the early church with each other, but that in 2 Corinthians 14 is what we read about in terms of how we are to relate to the Holy Spirit. Now that is quite incredible. The fact that we are called to be in participation with. Now, if, you're in part if you participate in anything, well, you know what that's like. So if you participate in a sporting, in a sport, say you're in a football team, a netball team, or uh, whatever you might happen to be in, then if you say, well, that person participates in that sport, they train for it, they're in a team probably, they actually engage in it, they're involved with others in that particular activity. If you happen to be in a choir or a music group, if you're involved, if you participate in that activity, you're involved, you're engaging in it, you're, you're a part of it. When we participate with the Holy Spirit, we are involved with him relationally. Do you get what Paul's saying here? He, 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 he is a friend. We're at one with him. We are interacting with him. And that is what Paul is speaking of when he talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We're at one with him. with this deep, intimate friendship, kindred spirit, joined in heart, in partnership together with the Holy Spirit. Have we got that? So... This is a profound statement that Paul is making here. I mean, he's talking about the whole Trinity. God, who we worship, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-existent, always has been, always will be. God himself. And we are to enjoy deep friendship. In fact, we are to enjoy deep friendship with the Father and with the Son, uh, with the Son as well. In fact, 1 John 1, 3 says, Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And as we see here in 2 Corinthians, and with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Now, this is so basic that, I, that you know, it's almost like standing here teaching, if you excuse the expression, grandma to, te uh, to suck eggs, you know. 
But every time I contemplate this, meditate on it, apply it into my life and think about it more, I think it's absolutely amazing that we have the privilege of engaging with God on a daily basis, fellowshipping with him, hearing him, responding to him, participating in his life. Isn't that a privilege? So, Gordon Fee, who has written a great big commentary called God's Empowering Presence, which is about this thick, that I haven't read, but I dip into once in a while, and I did here on this one. He literally goes through every verse that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament writes about the Holy Spirit. Quite amazing work in itself. But he says this, talking of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this is how the living God not only brings us into an intimate and abiding relationship with himself as the God of all grace, but also causes us to participate in all the benefits of that grace and salvation, indwelling us in the present by his own presence. So I'm going to elaborate this morning on the very important fact that God Uh, The Holy Spirit actually is a person, the person of God, and he dwells in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we can fellowship with him. Now, we read in the Gospel of John, in John 14, which was just after Jesus had told his disciples that he he, he started to tell them about the cross, about the resurrection, about the fact that he was soon going to be leaving them. They were distraught. They thought, well, how, how can this possibly be? How can we live? We've lived with Jesus for three years. How can we now live with him, uh, live without him? Then Jesus says this, uh, John 14, 16 to 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and notice this, and will be in you. And from Pentecost onwards, every believer in Jesus Christ has had the privilege of being able to know the Holy Spirit even more because he is residing within them. Now, I don't know about you, but we can use the word I know someone at very many different levels. Now, when you talk about knowing somebody, you can say, well, I know that person because you know about them. You know their name, you know where they work, you know where they live, uh, you know one or two of their interests, and you're able to engage in conversation with them. But if you compare that knowledge with how you know those who are the very closest to you, your spouse, an extremely close friend, maybe your parents or your children or others who are close to you, there's almost no comparison. Because when you know somebody, the people you know the closest and and you know their likes and their dislikes, You can read how they're feeling just by their facial expressions. 
by their tone of voice. All they need to say is your name in different ways and you know exactly how they're feeling right now. You can predict what their reactions are likely to be in given circumstances. There are things that you expect them to do because you know them and there are things that you don't expect them to do because you know them. You know their inner feelings and you know what their motivations are. As we grow to know fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it's exactly the same. The sad thing is that for many Christians, many believers in Jesus, they know the facts. Oh yeah, I know the Holy Spirit, he's Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh yes, I know when I became a Christian, I asked Jesus to come into my life and the Holy Spirit came in. And I know he lives within me and I know he's the guarantee of my inheritance that I will one day have a new body and a new heaven and a new earth. And I know he's alive in his church, but still not know him in the way that you know those that are closest to you relationally. But the invitation of this blessing that Paul gives, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, goes an awful lot deeper. And if I can help this morning to motivate you and myself to go deeper in our knowledge and friendship with him, who is within us, then I'll be thrilled to bits. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person and he lives in you. Now, how does the scripture teach us about the personhood of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you ten things. And the Holy Spirit, he isn't a force or a power like electricity or some form of energy. He's not an it. He is a he. He is a person. And let me illustrate. I'm going to whistle-stop through ten different things. I'm not even going to read all the references, although if you're making notes, they're all going to go on the screen. The first thing is the Holy Spirit, he has knowledge. You see, when you talk of a person, you talk about a person having knowledge, they think, they have emotions, they have a will. And the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit has these things. He has knowledge. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, 13, for example, talks about he knows the thoughts of God and teaches them to us. Jesus, speaking about the Holy Spirit in John 16, gives the same kind of teaching about the Holy Spirit. He has knowledge. Secondly, the Holy Spirit thinks. Romans 8, 27 talks of the mind of the Spirit. Thirdly, he has feelings. Romans 14, 30 talks about the love of the Spirit. And then in Ephesians 4, uh, 30 to 31, it talks of the fact that the Holy Spirit can be grieved as a result of in believers, unwholesome talk, bitterness, anger, malice, slander in the life of a believer. And then fourthly, he has a will. So for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it talks it talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, Adrian will be uh, teaching on this more. Um, it says that uh, when we gather together, 
uh, all uh, the believers are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one gifts of the Spirit individually as he wills. See, when we gather together, God's got a purpose. He wants to do some things. He wants to say some things. He wants to heal some people. He wants to encounter with us afresh. And he wants to uh, lead us. And he has a purpose. And that's when Debs comes, and all this is, that I'm talking about is a teaching in itself, but also helping us as we come towards the other subjects. When we come to worship in spirit and truth, and when we come to Adrian with the gifts of the Spirit, we'll see how the Holy Spirit, he has a will, he has a purpose uh, as he uh, leads us. And then the Holy Spirit also prays for us, Romans 8, 26. And when Moen speaks on prayer, we'll have more of this. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us, Paul says in Romans 8. And then sixthly, he's on a mission. So in John 16, 8, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness in judgment. And that's in order to lead people to repentance and faith in Christ. And then fourthly, he speaks. And you cannot fail but to see that God is a speaking God and the Holy Spirit speaks. And for example, in Acts 8.29, the story of Philip, um, the evangelist who's in the desert, and there's an Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah that he doesn't understand in his chariot. And we read in that story, if you're familiar with it, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. The Holy Spirit speaks. And then uh, uh, in Antioch, Acts 13, when uh, the uh, prophets and the teachers were gathered together, the leaders of that church, worshipping the Lord, it says, while they're worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so the Holy Spirit is a speaking God. He also comforts, we read in Acts 9, 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. He's a comforter. He also, ninth thing, he gives assurance. So in Romans 8, 16, Martin will be expounding on this when he speaks in two weeks' time, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Gives us assurance of who we are. And then we've already seen in John 14, 16 to 17, he helps us. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, says Jesus, who will be with you forever. Isn't that wonderful? A helper who's come to live on the inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is clearly a person. And he is God himself. But the wonderful second thing about this is the Holy Spirit is a person and he lives in you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He's another helper in the absence of Jesus who's come to live us uh, within us as our helper. So let's read what Jesus said again. We've read it already, but we're going to read it again. John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
Now, wherever you are, and whatever situation you find yourself in, he is in you. And he's in you as your helper to help you to live God's way, to help you to please Jesus, to help you grow in your relationship with the Father. And in very practical ways, he's there to help you in everything. He's, help you. he's there to help you inside you, to be a good friend to others. He's there to help you if you're married, to be a good husband, or to be a good wife, to be a good father or mother if you are a parent. He's within you to help you in the workplace. He's there to help you in the home. He will help you when you're praying. He'll help you when you're worshipping. He'll help you when you're reading and studying the Bible. He's there to help you when you're trying to make new friends. He's trying to help you when you know you need to forgive someone. He's there to help you when you're seeking to lead someone to Christ. He's there to help you when you're praying for the sick. He's there to help you when you're tentatively, tentatively stepping out in faith to prophesy or to use other gifts of the Spirit. He'll help you when you need wisdom or when you need courage. He will help you in your decision-making. He'll help you to become more like Jesus, which is where, and if you didn't hear them all, we were so blessed to have the series on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the very character of the Holy Spirit living within us, producing Christ-likeness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if you didn't get all those downloads, then worth hearing them uh, from uh, wherever we get the downloads these days. He will help you, giving you strength when you're tempted to sin. He'll help you to stay pure. Isn't that amazing? Those are just some examples of the way that the Holy Spirit... And he does not help us from a distance, but he helps us from within us. And this is incredible. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, it's, just, it's just absolutely incredible. It's something that we so take for granted, and yet is absolutely mind-boggling when we really think about this. I'm just trusting, even as we... We, we, we just move on, uh, the, the, we'll just find that something, we'll just find the Holy Spirit stirring us, even within as we're uh, just looking at some of these scriptures. Look at Romans 8, 9. Martin's going to revisit this one, but just right now. You, however, are not in the flesh, flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In other words, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. To say that he doesn't means he's not a Christian. It's just amazing, isn't it? It's very clear, it's very black and white. He dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, where? Within you. Whom you have from God. You are not your own. 
You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Wow. And in the context of that particular chapter, 1 Corinthians 6, is saying what an antidote, what a helper the Holy Spirit is within us to keep us from impurity and to keep us living holy like he is holy. We're to be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. The Christian life is one of abiding in Jesus and he by his Spirit in us. And when opposition comes from the enemy and things get tough, we know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He dwells within us. So very practically then, I just thought, well, you know, this is, this is theology, this is reality, this is, you know, the Holy Spirit is a person, God himself, and he lives in you if you're a believer in Jesus. Is that good? Well, how does that all work? And I just sat with myself and thought, well, how do I personally, and, and I'm not an expert, I'm just a learner. And I find every time I'm looking at subjects like this, I am motivated afresh to keep getting to know him better and better, and more and more intimately. But how do I enjoy fellowship with the Holy Spirit? I mean, and I use the word enjoy deliberately. In fact, it came up in one of the lyrics in one of the songs that we sung earlier about enjoying God. In fact, John Piper, a famous pastor and teacher in the States, said the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. See, the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is a person and lives within you, is something we're to enjoy, we're to be glad about, we're to be thrilled with. And how, how do I do that? Well, I've just written a few things. First thing, personally, I just find every time I think about him and the fact that he's within me and remind myself of that, it does something for me. Uh, and the scripture does say, Romans 8, that the mind set on the spirit results in life and peace. Secondly, talk to him. And I'm constantly just saying things like, Holy Spirit, I'm really needing your help right now. I was praying that when we were worshipping, <laughs> about now. I, I'm really praying that you, know, that you do some things. I really need your wisdom, I really need your grace, I really need your strength, whatever it is, talk to him. Thirdly, speak in tongues. We'll come on to that another, another Sunday uh, and some teach, teaching on that when Moan speaks on prayer. But speaking, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself, Paul says. Gets built up in your faith and in your relationship with God. And is, I find for me, I'm so much more aware of the Holy Spirit within me, as well as of Jesus who rules and reigns and the Father who loves me when I use that gift of the Spirit in my own personal prayer life. And then fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit as I read the Bible and as I pray. And I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, suddenly it takes on a whole new dimension then you realize within you is the Holy Spirit who is the very author who inspired the book in the first place. It's not bad, is it? Sitting on a daily basis with the author of the book that becomes alive to you as he teaches you through it. It's just amazing. And pray. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we ought, it says in Romans 8. 
But when I pray, I've got the instructor with me. <laughs> you know, read the Bible, you've got the author, and pray, and you've got the instructor within me. Isn't that amazing? What, what a gift. I mean, the Holy Spirit is called a gift. <laughs> you know, the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a treasured gift the Holy Spirit living within us truly is. Worship God is another thing. I find when I turn to worship, there's something that bubbles up within. Do you find that? You find that when we gather together? You find it also when we're on our own? Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is alive and well living within you. And he loves to glorify Jesus. And when you're glorifying Jesus, you're in it together. <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing. And then learning how to hear his voice and respond to his promptings. I can remember one occasion, I was uh, at the end of a meeting and a visitor who'd come, never been in this particular, wasn't in this church, the previous church, came to uh, just have a chat with me. He was a great big guy. Now, I'm not of great stature, um, but he was. And I discovered in conversation with him that he wasn't a Christian, he was a JCB digger driver. And uh, he, he put all his muscles to work, obviously, as he worked. And he was just, he enjoyed the meeting, enjoyed the worship, enjoyed, I happened to be teaching that day, enjoyed the teaching. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me and saying, ask him about his marriage. Well, there's me, and I'm looking up at him. And he was on his own. But I just said to him, I said, um, excuse me asking, but how's your marriage? And at that point, this cheery man broke down and wept like a baby. His wife had just left him, walked out on him. He was heartbroken. He said, well, how did you know? I said, well, I just felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to ask that question. And I was able to pray with him, and within weeks he gave his life to Christ and was added into the church. Don't we need promptings of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Learning to listen to his voice. And these things are so important. Many other ways God speaks to us. Martin, he shared a word on July the 29th relating to encounters, fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit that he had had, starting with Richard Green, who leads All Nations Church, praying for him at a Bedford pastor's breakfast. Welcoming the Holy Spirit and giving away what God is doing. It's not a bad place to start. Live in a way that does not grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit and ask to be filled. Well, we're coming on to that next week. So come ready because we're looking for that and some ministry time. So just bringing this to a close and then we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. No exceptions. Everyone who believes in Christ, everyone who's a believer in him, your inheritance, your gift from God is that you know that the Holy Spirit is a person and he lives within you. And he is not a force he is not an electricity. In fact, if you think of the Holy Spirit merely as an influence or a power, you'll be asking, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can benefit me in some way that makes me seem more anointed or blessed? It's 
very centered on you. But if you understand him to be a person who lives within you, then you'll instead be asking, how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? And how can I deepen my friendship, my koinonia, my fellowship with him, God himself, who literally lives within my own body and is seeking to help me to glorify Christ in everything that I do and think and say. In John 13, Jesus likens the work of the Spirit to the wind. We've seen some cracking winds on the TV lately, on the news, when hurricanes and typhoons and other things have hit various parts of the world. We can't control the wind, and we don't control the Holy Spirit. But you can see the effects of the wind, and you can see the effect of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a believer. And oh God, may we see as a result of this series the effect of your spirit even more than ever before, not just in us as individuals, but in us as a whole church.